What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. All right, I'm getting my zone. <laughs> all right, what's up, diggers? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. So excited to have a, a good friend here, a uh, person who motivates me all the time to to get my gains in and push that weight in the gym um man i love to have you here uh coach omar sanchez uh welcome thanks for having me doug i really appreciate that man man really really appreciate having you here um like i said uh since i've met you have known you probably about the last three or four years and and always seen you getting it in in the gym and everything and i'm like man like i gotta like that you always find that one person like at points in your life that motivates you to to get back in the gym and really get, really get things on so you've been a, a huge motivator uh for me to get back in the gym so i greatly appreciate it well i appreciate you taking the uh cues to get in there man i mean for all of us it's just an opportunity to to kind of get better and uh if i can do that for someone else then you know i've done my job Hey, you you definitely done it, and I know you haven't. You've inspired way more than just myself. So I've I've seen the lives you touch. So, um, so just go ahead and uh like give a background about yourself. Let the people know who you are, where you're from, and yeah, who's Omar Sanchez? The big daunting question that a lot that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I was born in Compton, California, man. Lived there for about eight years of my life, and uh, and then moved over to Watts and uh, grew up there and in the inner cities and kind of uh, played sports, uh, stayed real busy with stuff in the, uh, in the neighborhood. I had a, a good circle of people that through high school really mentored me. Uh, I played mm-hmm. football, basketball, volleyball, ran track. In high school, I also worked as a, as a uh, science coordinator for an elementary school just to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, growing up in a family with uh, four brothers and one sister, you know, my mom and dad, uh, work very hard uh they have a second and third grade education so they you know migrated here from mexico and really worked hard to for at the time the american dream which is to you know be sustainable and uh you know they did an amazing job of providing a roof over our head food on the table clothes on our back and uh but all the other items for us we really needed to work hard and so i think at the age of 12 i started working at stores Uh, i was a butcher uh, with one of my uncles Mm. And just trying to make money so I can buy shoes or buy, you know, pay for sports, uh, football, playing football, basketball, volleyball, and track. There's always something to be paid for. And mm-hmm. so I was really fortunate to kind of uh, be in that situation to really uh, have that camaraderie uh, with people and uh, develop the relationships with uh, people to uh, that to this day I still have uh, with some of those people back home. And uh, I really feel like uh, sports really saved my life in the inner city. Not only that, just being able to, um, uh, you know, do well in the academic side of things. My mom and dad really just wanted me to graduate from high school. And that was the number one goal. Uh, I had different aspirations to really, uh, to, to, to head out to college and try to find my way uh, and navigate through life. Uh, So I, you know, I took seven AP classes in high school. I graduated third in my class. Mm. Um, you know, so I was very thankful for that opportunity. But the other, you know, the other piece that really helped me was uh, I actually worked with LAPD as a cadet. I was a Los Angeles police explorer for 
four and a half years. Oh, wow. And uh, that opened up my eyes to a lot of things, believe it or not, uh, going out on ride alongs, police officers, and just being able to see, you know, what, what they experience and mm -hmm. the things they have to deal with from, you know, dead bodies to child abuse to spousal abuse and all these things that occur in these big cities um, really opened up my eyes that I really wanted to make sure that I, that I serve people in some capacity that I uh, help others. Uh, and, uh, and like I said, that those experiences really shaped me to want to leave and really try and find myself and then really be a good representation of my neighborhood. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's huge. And especially growing up in, in, in LA and Compton and Watson in that era, um, a lot. And then you get the other aspect of seeing it from the police view and everything. And, and how do you feel that that shaped a lot of what you do now and what you even did in college and everything after high school? Yeah, well, you know, the cool thing with that cadet program is I was able to, I, the highest rank I held was a lieutenant, but I was a drill instructor for two years where I trained cadets. Mm. And that was pretty cool, man, the level of discipline, you know, pushing people to be fit, pushing people to, uh, you know, instill that that self-discipline in themselves yeah. uh, to, to do things that are, uh, that mentally we don't think we can do until we get mm -hmm. pushed to do it. Um, uh, for me, it just kind of gave me that uh, level of uh, self-discipline. So when I left and tried to go play college sports, uh, it gave me that edge to have that tremendous work ethic that obviously got instilled from my parents, seeing them yeah. work every, you know, get up every day and go to work and, and make a living. Uh, I, I took that and uh, the ability to have some self-discipline to really want to just out-compete people. And uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of been my, my thing my whole life is being able to out-compete my opponent. Yeah. So you, so you love competition. You love all of that stuff. Did that start at home with your brothers and everything? Where do you fall in the pack of like your siblings and where did you find, what was your first sport that you got into and like really found that passion for it? Because I know you love sports. I do, man. Uh, my, my first love has always been basketball. <clears throat> you know, uh, oddly enough, um, I was the only one in my entire family to play sports. I know my youngest brother tried to play sports uh, my sister uh, attempted to play some high school sports, but she had a heart condition. Unfortunately, that didn't allow her to continue. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a neighborhood predominantly of African-American and, and, and Latino, you know, Mexicans. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was a six foot two Mexican. Man. <laughs> when, when you're out in the playground in fourth grade, you know, you got some guys asking you, do you want to play? And so just being able to be out there, man, and just uh, uh, be, being surrounded by so much talent for me, I just mm -hmm. fell in love with it because, you know, basketball is one of those sports where there's always something you can get better at. Yeah. And uh, it just drove me. And so anytime I can find a playground, by the time we lived in Watts, I loved going to the playground. And I know that's something that's not done that much because people think it ruins their knees and this, that, and the mm -hmm. other. There's some and there's some truth to that, but for me, there's nothing like playing out in the playgrounds and uh, getting banged up, running on, running, uh, getting ran through a pole or, or you, know, <laughs> you know, going to the hole and getting put on your back on asphalt. I mean, that just gives you a certain level of toughness, man. And, uh, and for me, I just enjoyed, uh, thankfully, there was a, a Catholic school, uh, San Miguel uh, Catholic school that literally was a block. The church was right across the street from my uh, my house, and then uh, a block up the road, 
there was the playground that, uh, you know, sometimes we jumped the gate. Sometimes they were nice enough mm -hmm. to, to let us in. But uh, we spent a lot of time there with my friends to really play some ball. And, uh, and I, like I said, man, I just, I just loved it so much. And uh, to be honest, I ended up playing football as a defensive end. And I did it because I wanted to get tough for basketball, man. I, I, I okay. felt like at the time I might have been afraid of contact. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to take that heads on. And so uh, I started off as a defensive end and I just wanted to go hit people. Uh, <laughs> and then our, our quarterback was five foot eight. And so my, my high school coach um, ended up asking me if I can throw the ball. And so, like I said, being at that, at that point, I was about six, three and a half. Um, our our uh, quarterback couldn't see over the line. And so they tried me at the quarterback spot, but for me, I was more about, going to go hit people instead yeah, you of you want the contact you want, yeah you want the contact yeah, of course and then uh volleyball just came as a as a form you know back in those days i think we played sport other sports we had a sport yeah but we played other sports mm -hmm. to keep us either in shape or psychologically thought yeah. we were doing something like i played volleyball mm -hmm. because i thought um oh you know i'm gonna be able to jump get some plyos in yeah. there right and mm -hmm. And so that's how it started with volleyball. But, you know, with volleyball, I ended up being a much better volleyball player than I was a basketball player. Okay. Uh, I, I was, I was, I was one of the top outside hitters in California mm. and uh, got recruited by top notch programs. But I, I was a realist and knew that I was not going to be able to play basketball at these big time programs like UCLA. I, I, yeah. I knew that I, if I went there for volleyball, there was, there was a possibility I could possibly be a ball boy maybe, but uh, I actually wanted to play mm -hmm. college basketball. And so, and then obviously track for us, I, I did the, the long jump. I did the high jump. Uh, I did the four by 400. And so for me, it was just an opportunity to just kind of stay in shape for my sport. Yeah. Well, see, it, it looks like you were a very calculated teenager in looking at these other sports, knowing you love basketball, but looking at football, I want to get tougher. Looking at volleyball, I want to be able to jump. And I'm even sure with the track and everything, that's jumping and staying in shape and everything. How, how did you get that mind that so, so early to like really, it's one thing to say, I want to play different sports because you enjoy a sport and that's cool. But to really say, I want to play these sports to also help with the development of my main sport. Yeah, you know, like I said, I was surrounded by a, a group of guys that are to this day are still my good friends. Mm -hmm. uh, David Mendoza, who I baptized his daughter, and he's one of my closest friends. To this day, I still call him and check in on him. And we kind of go back and forth. He coaches football, high school football, and uh, is such a great mentor of others. Um, and then uh, Rudy and, uh, um, and Mario Fernandez, our brothers. And you know, this is a group of us that kind of used to hang out. I was the youngest guy by far. They used to call me kid because I was the youngest guy. Uh, I always thought they called me kid because I played like Jason Kidd, but no, I did not play like Jason Kidd. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to, but I was uh, always told because I was the biggest kid to, to be in the post. And so I really had to learn how to play with my back to the basket at that mm -hmm. time. You know, you really uh, post guy. Not like t today, day and age, where a post guy thinks he's a stretch four and can square oh, up and do all man. that. Wow. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so at that time, I had to learn to be with my back to the basket, and then I, I, I developed a different skill set with my ball handling, squaring up mid range, short corner shots, because uh, mm -hmm. I really wanted to expand my game as much as I could. And so, uh, 
so yeah, man, it was just one of those things where my uh, close circle of friends that uh, in the neighborhood that just kind of guided me with that. Yeah, no. So, and so you've, you developed and enjoyed basketball and you played uh, basketball in college and everything. So what, what has been your, your journey? What are the lessons of basketball um, that you, you really utilize to this day and you eventually got into coaching and how did you get into coaching? Yeah, the coaching side of things, man. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> to your first question, my journey uh, and what it's taught me. Um, I, I use it in my coaching and that's my model of like learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. uh, basketball always provides a adversity at every corner and you have to learn how to work with it and you have to be comfortable in it. And uh, if you can learn how to do that, then, you know, it allows you to um, it allows you to have better life experience and be ready for life because, as we know now that we're we're young adults that uh, life is unforgiving, hmm. and um, there's a lot of distractions out there that can kind of sidetrack you, and so you really have to have a certain level of uh, practice with adversity in order to kind of push through your goal, your life goals, yeah. and get to where you want to. Um, as for coaching. Um, you know, I went to D UC Davis and I was pre-med there. <clears throat> I thought I was going to be a doctor and, okay. um, uh, cause it goes back to the serving piece that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like from a young age when, um, when I had a car accident that I, I knew I was put on earth to, to serve and, um, and God leads my heart. And so I always felt like serving has been something that, uh, that feels good for me and, and, like I said, since God leads my heart, I always felt like that's my path. Mm -hmm. And I still do to this day. But uh, at Davis, um, I started playing volleyball there. And then I, <clears throat> I was uh, trying out, I was doing spring workouts with men's basketball and blew out my ACL. Mm. Ooh. And so uh, obviously I couldn't play. And so um, I asked coach if I could be part of the team. Bob Williams, who ended up... Uh, being a really great coach there and then a great coach at uh, UC Santa Barbara for 19 years after that. Okay. Um, but he gave me the opportunity, him and uh, Brian Fogel, who was the assistant coach, amazing, amazing coach. He's in a, a women's head coach at Chico state. And um, they had a great coaching staff there. And so I was actually allowed to be a manager because I wanted to travel with the team. Mm -hmm. and um coach said well the only way you can do that is if you're if you're a manager and I said okay deal and you know I, I couldn't practice I couldn't do anything yeah. I essentially was the epitome of a manager right like really humbled myself and what I did in that experience and what came out of that experience is when I realized I was a horrible basketball player <laughs> that a long I had a long ways to go because you know that team ended up winning the national title that year 1998 at UC Davis Mm. And I got to, I got to be with the coaching staff and get to hear how they develop and how they cared about their players there at Davis. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but I also got to be on the player side and, uh, you know, see the leadership ability of the point guard, Dante Ross, uh, and then all the, the different pieces of, you know, the energetic guy and Jason Cox and, uh, shooters like Jonathan Surface. We had an undersized, uh, Justice Durkee was the undersized post guy 
who was an amazing, amazing, hardworking kid inside that just had, I think, six four, six four and a half, six four and a half tops. Oh wow! Uh, was just giving people the business, and so, um, so that experience taught me that one, if I wanted to play ball, I needed to be exponentially better, and mm-hmm. so that kind of gave me. Uh, um, while I was while I was a manager, I did a lot of rehab on my knee, and so I really pushed hard to get back. Mm-hmm. because I really wanted to prove to myself that I should be playing at the college level. Yeah. And, um, but that also gave me a love for coaching. Okay. Cause I realized that coaching was such an ability to kind of mentor and develop young men mm-hmm. and provide guidance to them to help them in their life. Back to the service and, piece. Yeah, exactly. And, and Brian Fogelman and, and Bob Williams were two great coaches that knew how to work together. You know, coach Williams, was a big disciplinarian guy. He, you know, he definitely uh, held people accountable mm-hmm. where coach Fogel was kind of his balance. They were kind of like a yin and a yang of uh, coaching where coach Fogel would lighten the mood and he knew his role as an assistant coach mm-hmm. and just the players loved him to death and just the ability to kind of put a smile on someone's face. And so just being able to have a front row seat to that definitely um, planted a seed and really wanted me I really wanted to pursue that coaching opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I knew that I, I first needed to finish my college career and prove to myself mm-hmm. that I, I was good enough to play at the college level. Okay. And, and, and how did that finish out for you? And now you're in this moment of like, Ooh, I have this new aspiration and idea and everything, but also still want to, you know, pursue, this thing that I've been having for so long. So how was that for you? And, and what did it end up ultimately looking like? As far as coaching, you mean? As far as coaching, but also wanting to rehab yourself and get back to being a player and, and at the college level. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I one thing about me is, is, is uh, I don't have to commit. Yeah. I am fully committed. And so uh, I did everything, uh, my rehab away from my responsibilities that I had as a manager with the UC Davis men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that meant that I really needed to push myself. And so I, I made the mistake though, of coming back in two and a half months, which is unheard of for ACL reconstructions. Yeah. Uh, at, at the time, the uh, Sacramento Kings team doctor was our team doctor for the university. And so he, he did an amazing job. And, um, I came back to full contact after two and a half, which was silly of me because then it really prolonged my rehab. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't fully back until maybe eight months after that. Okay. Um, but again, I knew that, that there had to be a, a different level and another notch in mm-hmm. order for me to be able to play basketball at the college yeah. level, man. You know, the, fa- the facade that I had in my mind of like thinking I'm God's gift to basketball at the time, I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I got a long ways to go. And, and, you know, you look at that Davis team where, you know, the quote unquote bottom of the bench uh, guys, you know, 10, 11, and 12. Yeah. These are people like, you know, Brandon Laird, who is now the associate head coach at Sac State, who is a phenomenal shooter. You mm-hmm. know, Kevin Nosek, who was another great, great shooter. Uh, you know, he's Mr. Davis uh, went to, lived in Davis, went to Davis High, went to UC Davis. He is now the associate head coach at UC Davis. Oh, wow. uh, that was the quote unquote bottom of our bench and that thing was loaded. And so mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, it was a, like I said, a humbling experience for me, man. And yeah. really brought me back to center and really humbled me to, mm -hmm. to really say, you know what, man, you know, you just need to work really hard and allow your work ethic uh, to kind of dictate uh, what you're going to do. And so, uh, like I said, I wanted to outwork anyone if given the opportunity and yeah. uh, that's what ended up happening for me. And that's, what's, that's kind of been my life is just being able to outwork my opponent. Okay. So you, so you work your way back and everything. Were you able to get back on the court after that or? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, as you know, I finished my career at Holy Names University. I ended yeah. up transferring and finishing there. We had a really good career, um, you know, as far as, you know, I'm, I've always been a role guy. My role, you know, uh, my my first couple of years of college was to score. Uh, I, I was always good at rebounding. I was always good at defense. Um, then in my last two years, like at Holy Names, I could not, um, I didn't have to score. Mm -hmm. uh, I was surrounded by some really good players, man, that can score. We had a 6'10 guy, you know, uh, Tom, who, uh, who who was a phenomenal skill guy inside that can give us uh, scores and can square up, can actually shoot the three. Fontaine Ware, who was an amazing player out of Delta, um, who now, you know, is a Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas police officer or is in law, in law enforcement. Uh, our point guard, Eddie Frazier, who came out of Delta as well, just phenomenal guy that can get to the rim. We had some other guys like Brian Freeth who, you know, could score and, and, and get to the rim. And then uh, we were just so loaded, man, and, mm -hmm. and had different guys, Jason Hopper, who can really shoot the three. And so for me, like, I, it wasn't about scoring. It was about, to be honest, what could I do to stand out? And yeah. it wasn't going to be the score because I've never been a scorer, quote, unquote, in my life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I made sure that I was the guy that if – if someone put pressure on my point guard in the backcourt, you know, I would yeah. always tell them, you run right through me. I mean, I, I have a highlight reel of me knocking people out of <laughs> in screens. You know, nowadays you can't, nowadays you can't touch somebody without being called a moving screen, but back yeah. then they will let us hit people. Mm -hmm. And so if my guys needed to get open, I was the guy that was going to go and set a screen. If, if I needed to get the ball in the post, I can do that. I was very, very, um, I guess I was more of a utility player that I can yeah. defend the one through the five mm -hmm. um, and that I can play the two through the five as well. And so uh, coach utilized me in that way. And, and I was able to kind of stand out if I was the energy guy. So, you know, if there was a charge to take, if there was a loose ball, you know, we also mm -hmm. had people like Arjuna Manning, who was a local kid and, and was really good at energy as well and kind of learned from in my junior year there at Davis. And so, I mean, at, at Holy Names. And so, just a, a mixture of different guys that came from different places that we all made it work. And we all had a common goal and that was to win. Yeah. And um, we were fortunate enough on um, both years there at Holy Names that we were able to uh, be number one team in the country defensively. Mm. We were uh, conference champs. We were conference tournament champs. We made it to the national tournament. Um, and, and we just had that mindset to really push each other yeah. And, and get the best out of each other, um, you know. And so that camaraderie, you know, I always tell my players that I coach, you'll never, ever be able to have that level of camaraderie once you leave college. It'll, it'll yeah. never be as great. And uh, even, you know, if you, we have the opportunity to go play pro overseas or anywhere. 
it'll never be the same. And so, you know, I always tell them to embrace that level of camaraderie yeah. because it's so important. Yeah, no, but, it is. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, there's, there's nothing like that. I, I didn't play college ball at all or anything. I played high school football, but even to this day, I, I still miss that brotherhood that you have because there's something different about the grind that you put in in your practices and everything, but then to go do something physical with it it's different when you're like working in an office or something like that and you have a team like, yeah, that can be cool. But there's something about that physical mentality of doing things. I trust you to do this, to get me open. Like you said, I, I didn't play basketball. Like I said, I was a football person. But when I do play basketball, even to this day, I haven't played it in a minute. I tell people, look, these are the three things you're going to get from me. Defense, rebounds, and screens. I don't care about scoring. Scoring yeah. is not a, not a thing for me. If I could set a good screen, that's like winner, winner, chicken dinner for me. So, But that yeah. camaraderie and each person, and that's the one dynamic, and, and if you can touch on this as you've been touching on it a little bit, the beauty of sports in everybody having a certain job, all your jobs aren't the same, but they're all for the same goal. That's, 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 I mean, you hit it dead on, man. I mean, the thing with, uh, you know, I've been coaching now 16 years and uh, that's been the biggest thing with uh, coaching is helping people understand that um, a team is a puzzle. Yeah. And that puzzle, that piece that you have looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't have a group of 10 scorers and that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you might yeah. be able to score 90 points, but you're giving up 110. So what's the point? Exactly. So you have to have a balance of guys that can do different things. And as a coach, it's our job to put them in positions to succeed. Uh, the, 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 the toughest part becomes when, you know, injuries are all part of, of yeah. college sports. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when, when you know your top guy falls and he's out for two weeks, then who can step up and yeah. you know assume a different role or have an added role until mm -hmm. he gets back? And that's the tough part, man. It's just being able to balance that because you know basketball, the the, the world of basketball has changed a lot in the sense of uh, you know when I was in high school, uh, AAU ball, like you had to be invited to go play. You weren't you weren't just hey, you know, let's make a team. Like, that wasn't yeah. the case mm -hmm. with AAU ball. And, um, and, and I was fortunate enough to get invited to, uh, to play on an AAU team. Okay. Uh, and, and um, I mean, holy cow, I was bottom of the bench on that thing. But I learned so much from being on that team mm -hmm. and, uh, and the level of competition that I got to practice against. And, yeah, I got to play and, and, and be able to showcase that. But it was incredible. Whereas now it's so flooded, you know, about 10 years ago when I start, you know, I would say more than that, maybe 12, 13 years when I went, started going to Vegas to recruit, which is at the end of summer, there's these maybe 10 tournaments going on in Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, there used to be about maybe 400 teams from all over the country oh, wow. that, 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 that float there when it first started. Now there's like 2000 teams that are out there, man. And you get, <laughs> You got kids that are playing on on three different teams, and you got to oh, wow. figure out where they're playing and what tournament, what time. Mm -hmm. It just becomes so flooded, and yeah. um, and you know, part of what the AAU does is they want to provide exposure, and that's what they do. But mm -hmm. they're not, they're you know, 
Some of them are, and I would say the high majority are not teaching the kids. They're not teaching yeah. the kids how to play the sport. They're not developing them. I mean, we were getting kids that still still don't have a left hand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you want to be a college player, but you don't realize that people are going to dissect you in college. Yeah. They're going to know your weakness and make you play to your weakness. Mm-hmm. And so that's the tough part is that you get kids that are told they're God's gift to basketball. And then they have to be on a team where they have to be selfless Mm -hmm. and they have to give of themselves. uh, And that's just difficult for them. And so as a coach, we try to get them to understand the common ground, the goals, what they mean, what do they look like so that they can embrace that because if they don't embrace it, then like you mentioned, I mean, a part of a good team is, you know, we, we, we're looking at this last dance piece, right? Like yeah. uh, the last seventh and eighth episode, episode, but you talk about the different pieces of the puzzle, right? Like Jordan being the big piece, Pippen being the second biggest piece, but you got a plethora of different guys, you know, Paxson and Kerr, who were tremendous shooters who took pressure off of Jordan when they, mm-hmm. you know, collapsed on him that they can find those guys. Dennis Rodman, who was the energy guy, you know, yeah. Bill Cartwright and the plethora of centers that they had, you know, Grant, who were just guys that just knew their roles, embraced their roles and bought into it. And there's no, uh, it's no surprise they were that good, you know, yeah. and now, now you look at the Warriors who outside of last year with all the injuries, everyone knows their role and they do it to the best of their ability. Exactly. When you can have a group of guys that can do that, you're going to see success. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so your your journey into coaching and and being able to teach up and mentor uh, the youth and the future. Um, so you roll into how did that transition happen for you after Holy Names and 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 what did that look like for you? So I had you know I had the chance. So when you go play pro, they don't care if you defend. <laughs> they don't. Uh, it took me a while to get out of that groove. So I played some, um, I, I, I played some, some basketball after and uh, pro-am stuff where you just play with different guys and you really mm-hmm. have to learn how to, how to put the ball in the hole. The good thing about me and, and what really helped me is that contrary to me not, be, not having to score mm-hmm. in college, I got in the gym a lot. Okay. I put up a lot of shots, you know, because the, the two to five shots I, were go- I was going to get, I wanted to make sure that. I was <laughs> yeah. And uh, in the times that, you know, I had a couple games where I might have had 16 or 18 because, you know, they, they took away my other teammates. It's because I got in the gym that mm. I was able to be ready for those moments. Yeah. You know, and so by the time I got out of college, it took me a good couple weeks to kind of get in the groove of like, hey, man, you better be able to put the ball in the hole. Mm-hmm. you know okay that's great that you can hold a guy but you know defend them and stay in front of them and get stops but that's not enough yeah and so I had a, I went to Arizona on this uh exposure tour for for Latinos and stuff and uh and I got picked up uh on a pro contract out oh, there cool. and uh I, I did a short short stint man I mean short <clears throat> two months mm-hmm. and I, I it wasn't for me uh, there was a lot of uh, glitches in that, and uh, there was a lot of an uncertainty with the team and uh, okay. people people getting paid on time. Like mm. I said before, the camaraderie that you have in college and high school, yeah, I mean, enjoy it because by the time you get out of that, man, 
it's very tough to find, you know, unless you're a yeah. very high level pro mm -hmm. to find that level of camaraderie. But when, uh, the, when the money gets involved, it gets, it gets mucky. It does. It does. And so I had this great tournament where I think I played five games. I averaged about 28 points a game. I just played out of my mind and impressed yeah. some guys. But for me, it was more about, uh, about my next phase of life. I knew mm -hmm. basketball. I knew I wasn't going to be a pro. I had aspirations to be an NBA guy like every yeah. kid, but I, I was realistic. I knew I wasn't a Division One player. I knew that I would, I would have to play D2 ball okay? mm -hmm. and, and, and really improve immensely if I wanted to play D2 ball. And then, yeah. uh, and so, you know, I found my niche, which was, like I told you before, it was defending and being the energy guy, taking charges, setting screens, get on the floor for loose balls. Um, that was that was my role, and I embraced it. I was an All-American uh, charge taker. I was an All-American passer. I was an All-American <laughs> yeah. uh, loose ball guy. You know, I was going to be the best that I could be. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I got introduced to, you know, uh, one of your questions that, that – that uh, you sent me was about fitness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, David Mendoza, my closest friend uh, to this day, I was 14 years old. He introduced me to weights. He had a garage weight room. Oh. And, um, and, and he took interest in me playing ball because like I said, he played, he played football. He uh, coached it. Okay. Uh, he's been coaching it for 25 plus years. <clears throat> and, um, at different levels. And, um, and he's like, man, like you're scrawny. I was, I was, you know, maybe soaking wet 145 pounds in my <laughs> freshman year in high school. I mean, I was a scrawny guy, man. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I was thin. I could hold my own, but yeah. I knew that I needed to get stronger, man. Yeah. And so, uh, he introduced me to weights and, and, uh, that's the best thing that could have happened to me. So I, I'd go, you know, go practice, go to school, go to work, practice, come back and go lift in his garage. And he put me through, he introduced me to, you know, uh, to weights and, you know, we, we do some bench pressing, we do mm -hmm. some curls, we do some dips, you know. Uh, and he's like, hey, man, if you really want to separate yourself, you're really going to have to push yourself in here. And I really took that to heart, man. And, and that's been kind of my, uh, my secret tool, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, where, your motto, your motto. Uh, you know, it's been my go-to, you know, 26 years later. And mm -hmm. it's, it's what I, it's what I use to really get better, get, get, defeat my opponent, get mentally sharper. Mm -hmm. And so, it's, I never stopped. You know, I never stopped. I loved it through high school. I got to Davis. Uh, <clears throat> coaches were about lifting there and mm -hmm. uh, wanted to get stronger. So I pushed myself there. And I would tell you, you know, by the time I got to Holy Names, uh, lifting was not a priority. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the mindset of coaches at that time was lifting's going to make you slower. Lifting's not going to help you. Yeah. What, what do you need to do that for? And that was just the mindset. And so it's more me, so lifting was more so a football thing. Yeah, exactly. More of a grunt thing. Hey, you need to get bigger to go hit people, whatever. Yeah. But like I said, man, I, I mean, I would work out on game days because mm. I was so hyped <laughs> that I needed something to bring me down yeah. a level. And so me and my good friend, Jay Bridges, 
uh, who's another good friend of mine to this day, uh, we would lift. We would lift mm -hmm. religiously. Um, by the time I left and came back, uh, I knew that weights and what, what they did for me mm -hmm. really was a mechanism for me to kind of help others. Yeah. Um, I took the CSCS in 2002, uh, Certified Strength Conditioning uh, Specialist okay. and um, at UCLA. And I wanted to start the programs at Holy Names. And, mm. and there was a lot of uh, pushback, a lot of pushback because, again, the mind says, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah. Well, I started with uh, Coach Erica Rinsett, um, amazing coach at Holy Names. She played there uh, and um, she let me train her team in the spring. Mm. And I and she gave me carte blanche to do whatever I want, and yeah. uh, that's where that's where my family time routine. Which, if you ask those players at that point, uh, family time was just tough, 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 tough. <laughs> it's not as it's, it's not as friendly as the word may suggest. Um, and uh, she really let me push the athletes. And yeah. um, the next fall, they just happened to win the conference. Mm. Um, the next team that I ended up working with was men's soccer. Now men's soccer, don't get me wrong. They were successful. They've been successful. Um, the, the AD that was there, he got brought in to coach soccer and be the AD. Uh, he gave me carte blanche on his team. Mm -hmm. And that team was loaded with uh, a bunch of South American kids, a bunch of kids from Germany, and then some U S players. And okay. so the dynamic was tough because I mean, they had, they had a, they had a player on their team that would smoke a pack a day. I mean, from Germany, and that's that's just the way that's just the way things were, man. But you know, I ended up working with them, and uh, not only did they win conference, they made the final four of the following year. Mm. And so teams were starting to catch on. And then Dennis Jones, who's one of my mentors, I asked him, "Let me train the women." Yeah. And so I started with the women's team and he also let me coach. So I came on staff with him oh, okay. uh, back in 2004 and I was a coach and trained them. And I mean, we had some tough, tough young women that really wanted to be the best. And um, I mean, our family routines, by the time we got to planks, we had young women that had bloody elbows and were really pushing each other. Like, nah, we're going to be the best. Mm -hmm. And 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 so the following year, we ended up uh, hosting the best, still to this day, the best uh, women's record in HNU history. We were thirty-three and four. We mm. lost in the Elite Eight, um, wow, which is the furthest the teams ever made it. Okay. And so so then they be, there there was this uh, mindset change. In, yeah, of like, oh, maybe you know this can help us. And then you know, don't get me wrong, it wasn't because I trained them. There were some good coaches, some good coaching there. But mm -hmm. it just added to to a component yeah. of what they were doing to help them, mm -hmm. um, and so you know, and like I said at the time, it's like people thought, oh well, you know, strength and conditioning, what? Yeah, they're just going to lift weights and get bigger. No, it's about movement, it's about <laughs> biomechanics, it's about it's about sports training, sports specific muscles that are going to help them accelerate in their sport. Yeah, and so um, you know. When I did my master's at Holy Names, I ended up doing my master's thesis on develop, uh, periodization training and developing year-round programs for sports. Okay. And so that kind of just kind of 
created this blueprint for myself at, at Holy Names that, you know, I, I knew what the teams needed, when they needed it, how many, how, uh, how many seasons they had, um, mm -hmm. you know, within a, within a season, how many seasons they had. And so it really helped me to, to kind of better that. And then we ended up adding, uh, the EOP program, which was, a, I was a director of and, and then, um, it became the GA program. Mm -hmm. And so then ended up having strength conditioning GAs. And so we eventually got it to three GAs and, uh, and then me, uh, and, and the GAs that we had were just so hungry to want to get better and get hands-on experience that they yeah. did a great job with our team. So, so, you know, we made the transition to division two mm -hmm. and that was just humbling in itself because, uh, it's just a whole nother level from NAIA. Um, and so, you know, that's essentially where the strength and conditioning component came in. The coaching came from Dennis Jones, who allowed me the opportunity to coach okay. with him. Uh, two years after that, we ended up going to the men's side. I was an assistant for, for six, seven years. Mm -hmm. And then we made the transition to division two and, and DJ decided to be the athletic director. And then I, I was, I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to get the head coaching job oh, nice. uh, about 10 years ago. And so that's kind of, been my journey has been the journey with and got in got in through the weights you you lifted them weights to get up in there yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, work, work my way in there man and i've held many hats there at holy name so it's been great yeah yeah now now I, now I want i want a little if you can let us in a little bit into that family time i want to know a little bit of uh what, what was going on in there like that that sounds like some fun and grueling work <laughs> so i basically took uh my drill instructor side mm-hmm and uh it, it was a warm-up believe it or not and in 15 minutes <laughs> in 15 minutes if you weren't drenched in sweat um yeah it, you did it wrong <laughs> well that that was never the case mm -hmm. the teams that embraced it yeah. and did it uh loved it mm -hmm. and knew it was making them better uh, yeah the women had this young lady, Elaine Fawcett, who is now a nurse, and she's an awesome, a quick point guard. I mean, she was a no-nonsense point guard, man. She, mm -hmm. she really pushed them. So it got to the point where with certain teams, they would do it on their own. Oh, wow. And so what family time was is basically a variation of different calisthenic exercises, push-ups. You can throw jumping jacks in there, variation of different core exercises. Mm -hmm. um, but the key was, one, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Yeah. Okay. So if you're doing a leg lift, right. And someone dropped their foot because they were adjusting themselves, quote unquote, mm -hmm. or trying to cheat it. Yeah. If you got caught, you start that set over. Mm. Right. And so you, we move you around, you get in push a position. I drop you down. You come back up. We would do standard diamond pyramid, uh, wave push-ups. I mean, you name them, we were doing them. Yeah. And, uh, and again, someone dropped a knee, we start over. <laughs> so you would go through it and then you would finish with a plank. A plank mm -hmm. would be 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah. And, and by that time you've done so many push-ups, you've done oh, so many different right. types of core exercises. I mean, it's really challenging you mentally. Yeah. And for me, like that's been my thing is like, you can do more than you set your mind to. Mm -hmm. If you tell yourself that's all you can do, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yeah. And so we, we took that away from them. And, mm -hmm. and again, you didn't want to be the person that dropped their knee. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't want to be that person. You, I remember and, those days on the football field. You don't want to be that person. Yeah. 
And so it, it gave them that added edge of like, no, I'm not going to be the weakest link. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't want to hear it from your team that if you drop it after you've worked so hard, yeah, that all of a sudden we're starting over because of you, <laughs> you, you didn't want to be in that kind of predicament. Yeah. Man. And so, and so that gave them that certain level of toughness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I brought to the teams, man, is I wanted them to, you know, I would remind them during, during uh, games and stuff like, Hey, family time, remember family time. Like we, we, we did this to ourselves so that we can reward ourselves by taking it out on our opponent. Yeah. And for the most part, that's what they did. The young men and women that allowed me that opportunity. Uh, that's what they did, man. And that yeah. was great. No, no, that that's accountability, uh, family time. Like it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing. So, so being in that, that man, I can only imagine getting introduced to a, 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 a gym at 14 in a garage. I, man that would have changed my world as well but having that and having the discipline of sports and everything and what it meant to you and like you said this mindset of of getting better and you're you're the founder and ceo of uh be fit to live and everything and you've really taken on working out as as a as a way of life um like i said earlier at the beginning you've inspired me definitely to get more of my health and workout game and everything and really appreciate that you got me into squattober which i hated squats before squattober and everything and now i'm like <laughs> my man when is squattober coming back like i'm ready for it um so just talk about like your 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 passion and the things you're doing now as far as fitness as far as coaching and and all of that stuff and and maybe even break some of the myths that uh people have around lifting like i know there's always the one like Women are like, oh, I don't want to get big and lift and everything. And then there's a whole list. We don't have time for all of the myths, but just something that you always hear, just your experience in the, in the field of health. Yeah. Well, you know, that, just, to, just to be clear, December and Squattober, I ended up uh, inheriting that and following uh, Aaron, who is the uh, head strength coach at USC football. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's the developer of, uh, of those pieces. And so, I just took it on and kind of shared it with people. Uh, yeah. It's a big community that, that loves uh, that, that, you know, kind of gets together in September and December to do Squattober in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I will start off by saying that the, the other piece is to answer your question with fitness, you know, fitness nowadays has evolved so much and there's so many different avenues. You got the CrossFit people, you got Olympic lifters, you got power lifters, you got, Day-to-day people that like just like going to the gym, people that just like doing cardio, fitness classes, uh, you know, calisthenics, you got uh, yoga. yoga. I mean, there's so many different things. I always say, you know, my niche is uh, I'm a number chaser. Mm-hmm. I love to chase numbers. I, I can't tell you, hey, man, I can bench press 315 and then drop 225 on my chest. I'm full of crap if I'm doing that. <laughs> And so I'm a number chaser. I want, I want to, I want to chase those numbers. You know, mm-hmm. this year I, I turned 21 for the second time in my life. And, uh, and <laughs> I so like I, I'm, a, I'm a numbers chaser, man. And, yeah. I, and that, 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 that weight room piece gives me that opportunity to chase those numbers, mm-hmm. you know, get a bigger number. As I get older, I don't want to get weaker. I want to get stronger and I got to find ways to do that. And so that it does something for my mind. Mm-hmm. So what I would, what I recommend to people is find your niche, find your niche and what you want to do, because it's lifting weights in itself is not for everybody. Yeah. You know, my wife, 
I've been trying to convince her since I married her to lift weights. She doesn't because she thinks I'm going to get bigger. And the thing I tell her, you're not going to get bigger, you know, and that, you know, women's thing is gaining weight. And I always say, look, if you're lifting weights and you gain weight, that's a good thing because you probably dropped your body fat a lot. Yeah. And, muscle. And, and, and so you're gaining muscle. And so, you know, sometimes there's those misconceived notions of what, what lifting weights might do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, find your niche. If it's a group fitness class, like my wife loves Peloton. She loves her Peloton okay. bike and she does it. She does it once or twice a day, which is awesome. And that's her niche. And I always tell her, if you ever want to come over to the dark side with me and come and lift some weights, <laughs> I would love to have you and, and, and teach you some stuff. But that's not something that I'm going to force on her and tell her yeah. that she has to yeah. do. Like, no, when she, when as, you, long, as long as she found her niche, that's all I'm happy about. No, when you introduced me to your form of cardio, I loved it so much. <laughs> Dude, I've been doing that level of cardio for at least 20 years, man. Cardio. Mm-hmm. You know, I've ran so much in in college sports. And then uh, when I was done playing, I had a partially torn calcaneal fifth ligament in my ankle. I had a a fracture in one of my... I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that before. It's just a a ligament in your ankle that prevents you from moving laterally, which is kind of weird considering I'm a basketball coach and I got to move there. Um, And then I have a fracture in one of my metatarsals that just won't go away. And so when I went to the doctor and said, look, man, I'm, I'm not going to stop being active. Like, there's no way, what can we do about this? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't operate. And, uh, and I was thankful for that. Um, but, uh, he said, you need to stay to linear sports. And so then I tried triathlons and I did two triathlons and mm-hmm. I just, it didn't do what it, what, what, what lifting weights does for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that cardio piece now for me, is just about getting those buys, tries and, and burning those <laughs> shoulders, you know, with some shrugs. And so, uh, so I've inherited that for a long time. And then there's some guys that around in strength conditioning and the fitness world that, uh, that have different, different uh, variations of those different types of cardios. Yeah, no, no, you definitely introduced me to a lot of, you got me on the bands. The bands are, are a great thing to have. Um, yeah, like I mean, yourself, like I, I, I enjoy that the number chasing uh, there's something about the the quietness the beauty of being under that bench press though there's just something about that like I, I zone out i have i have my whole thing like my my mentality for that is like i grow right i grab onto the bars i close my eyes i count to three i reopen my eyes i count to three and then i count to three again and then i lift the weight like there's something so euphoric about being on that bench press and this goes all the way back to to high school with me, I started a, a bench press club. We started a 200 club, like when we were lifting weights and, and bitching and everything in, in high school, like on the football team. And you, you, everybody didn't get to that 200 like club in the bench press, but it was just an amazing camaraderie thing to have. And so just with that, if uh, anybody listening to this and they're interested in, and I know one of the questions always is discipline. Um, I know you touched on finding your niche because there's so many different ways to work out. What could be some other, what's some other advice you have for people who may struggle with discipline in trying to work on their fitness? Well, that's tough, man. If you struggle with discipline, you're just not going to be successful. The thing with fitness is about continuity mm-hmm. and the consistency with that. And, and obviously dis- discipline will deter you from that. Yeah. And so you, you really have to want it bad enough. It's, it, and the other thing I'll say for me, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that, Oh, I did, you know, I, I, I want to have 
you know, pythons as arms or whatever. No, that's my, my summer me, bot. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, or having the dad bod. No, for me, it's about, <laughs> it's about what it does for me mentally. Yeah. Uh, it's a lifestyle. Uh, I, I lift four to six days a week and that mm -hmm. is not always lifting. It might be some accessory work. It might be working on hip mobility. It might be on different things, but I'm doing something six days a week. The other thing I will say, and what deters people is there are formulas for fitness and mm -hmm. uh, there's always, you know, trainers who want to kill their clients and then they become disengaged because their body feels out of whack. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta know and find your formula that works for you. Mm -hmm. If you're going to train people one, two, I've always been a guy form over everything. Yeah. Like what's the point of getting, putting, loading yourself if you're not going to do it correctly. One, two, if you're training someone and say you load their back and um, the, their vastus medialis is hyperactive and their knees are coming down and forward, what is that? What are you doing to that person? What are mm -hmm. you doing to fix that and helping external hip rotation so that it can have external hip rotation and actually load their hips and not have back pain. And so that's that those are the things that you really have to have someone if you don't know then figure mm -hmm. out there's so much information out there uh but form discipline consistency uh those are the three components that you're really going to need to see success in the in, in the training side now you know whatever your goal is after that hey i want to lose weight i want to gain weight then you know nutrition plays such a vital role in that yeah. nutrition hydration and sleep play such a vital role in that, you know, the fitness side is just a small percentage of it. The nutrition, the hydration and the, um, and the sleep is far more important than that. So again, you got to gauge and see what your, what your goal is, where you are in life, what your background is with that, you know, what kind of injuries you've had, uh, because the body adapts. If you've had an ankle injury for years or, and you didn't rehab it correctly, your, your, your hips are going to change a little bit because it's, your body has adapted. And so, you know, it's yeah. just, there is a huge science to it and we have to listen to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I, I continually look at the science, uh, the articles that come out through uh, the NSCM, mm -hmm. NSCA and, and, and things that come out that are out there that we can look at. I mean, they're so great. The, the body is the most complicated thing on this planet is you never know what it's going to do at times so that's true it's it's also uh, the most resilient too man so yeah it's really resilient so mm -hmm. no i i mean i i i see when i was going to the gym when the gyms were open and everything i used to love being in the gym in the mornings i would go at 5 a.m and seeing the older generation in there like just them and they still lifting weights and stuff they easily 60s 70s and 80s i'm like I want to be that person. Like they're not up there trying, like you said, not trying to throw like 300 on a bench press or something. They're just doing the form, keeping their muscles together and everything. And it's such, it's such a beautiful thing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, until I get laid to rest, you know, I, I, I want to actually uh, be in my casket doing a curl. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in a curl position when, uh, when I get laid to rest, man. So well, well, I was gonna say, do you want to do be in the shoulder shrug position? Though, I mean, that's you know, you got them shoulder shrugs, but no. <laughs> hey, man, I don't think the barbell's gonna fit in there, man. 
So, Omar, uh, we're going to switch into the segment, um, uh, what you're digging on right now. So just what are you digging on currently right now in your life? Oh, man, uh, obviously with this pandemic, uh, the opportunity to, to get closer to my family, obviously being a college basketball coach, you travel a lot, you, you're always on the road, you're mm -hmm. recruiting, uh, you're traveling for games and so on and so forth. So being with my family has been uh, – nothing short of amazing. It's just the uh, universe has a funny way of kind of recentering us and telling us what's important. And, uh, and then seizing the opportunity, man, for knowledge I seek and I'm, I'm very uh, seeking of knowledge. And so I'm an avid reader uh, nice. right now. I'm, I'm in the mix of uh, introducing five new books to, uh, to what I'm going to read over the next uh, couple of weeks. And so I'm just constantly in between the books or playing with my kids or working out. Uh, obviously spending time with my wife and uh, you know becoming reacquainting redating my wife because mm. it's been uh it's been a while since uh we've been this close because of how busy our schedules get yeah. she's also real busy with her job and so mm -hmm. this has been a blessing uh to kind of really have this opportunity yeah no definitely be able to slow down and what i'm digging on currently is just some real peaceful quiet time of not doing anything like you're saying just in this moment of we're so busy, we're always doing things, being able to just slow down and, and retract and, and just be able to sit yeah. and sometimes just do nothing. Like so many times we're trying to make sure we're doing something or something's happening, but sometimes just to just sit there and just, just be calm and be still. So that's that's a definitely a huge piece for right now, right now for me. So Coach O, Coach Omar, thank you so much for this time, appreciation. If uh, somebody's listening to this and they're like, I wanna get some more information from this guy. He seems super excited. and uh, like can take my my workout to the next level or are they interested in possibly getting into coaching or something how could they reach out to you obviously you know I, I'm, I'm an open book man what I what I have in knowledge is I, I've taken it from different other people and, and and great knowledgeable people and so if I can give it back in some way I'd be more than happy to obviously my email be fit to live at hotmail.com as well as uh shoot my cell phone 510-600-9061 shoot me a text i'll be more than happy to converse with anyone look at that get directly to the man and he, and if you want to see some of the workout stuff he's on ig and i'll tag him on the post for this uh on the dig on doug podcast so um another great podcast again thank you so much coach O. um let's keep this fitness going and uh waiting for those gyms to open back up i see you got the gym at home now so i'm like you know, I'm like, I see his phone. I'm like, oh man, that looks amazing. Can't wait till I get back to my gym. <laughs> um, but also looking forward to Squattober again. So definitely uh, gonna be another good time. So really appreciate your time, coach. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Have a good one. All right, you too. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at Dig Undug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.